0: Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where super are king. Methanol is aromatic, and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Racechaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's
1: Inside Groove Supermodified Podcast. This episode is episode number 70, and my name is Tom Baker. We have a really cool show lined up for you. Uh, We've got Jeff, Locke, and his oldest son, Ryan, both on the show, which is going to be a blast. Really looking forward to talking to both of them. Um, We caught up with them and talked about uh, their plans for 2021 because they're going to be a busy family there are actually three locks that are going to be doing some form of super modified racing in 2021 of course jeff locks got a big block that uh, is being prepared for a swigo action with jeff behind the wheel ryan may see some action in that car but ryan's gonna see full-time action this year on the Isma circuit with the wing and youngest brother Chase is going to be running full time in the 350 Super Modified division. So uh, we're going to talk to Jeff and Ryan. We'll get Chase on a future show But we've got a pair of locks, so we're titling this show Locked and Loaded is the theme uh, for this week's episode, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know you're going to enjoy listening to both of them. Um, Ryan did a really nice job, doesn't do a whole lot of interviews, Uh, just really, I thought, did an extraordinary job in his interview with me. So um, you'll get a chance to hear that. Uh, also, we want to talk about the significance, as we always do, of the number 70. That's the episode number. So we try to look at that in terms of super modifieds and supermodified history. Um, and in thinking about that number, uh, there is some interesting stuff we could talk about uh, that I kind of realized as I was doing some thinking off the top of my head before the show about the number. As I record this show, by the way, it is 41 days to opening day at Oswego. So uh, that's where we're at with all of that. So we're going to have uh, a pair of interviews, and we're going to do this basically in the form of you're going to hear Jeff first, then you're going to hear Ryan, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, do our third segment, which will cover all of the rest of what we want to on the show. I first do want to say though, again, a special thank you to those who are so much a part of helping the show to happen. Skips fish fry. And I'm going to throw in a a plug here for Le pub, which is located on East 10th street in Oswego. That is Sean Cathcart, uh, from skips fish fry. That's his newest venture. And uh, looking forward to checking that place out when I can next get up to Oswego and uh, seeing what he's done there. It looks like he's really transforming that place into something very cool and uh, wishing Sean very well with that. Um, if you get a chance and you're in the Oswego area, stop by graphs Pub and um, look him up on Facebook also because their menu's on there, brand new Um, menu that they just released uh it is basically your typical uh standard fare so to speak for the type of place that it is i think but with a few um interesting touches on it so go check that out and i'm sure that's going to be a place to be all week long and of course after the races and uh you know, I'm sure there'll be a lot of goings on there. And as he kind of gets more orientated and New York comes out of the fog a little bit um, with regard to all the regulations and such, I'm sure that there will be much more going on there. So check that out, lagraf's Pub, uh, Sean Cathcart's newest business venture. But uh, just wanted to throw in a thank you to Sean and his staff at Skip's Fish Fry as well. Best fish in the city of Oswego. And yes, that's really my opinion. Um also want to thank uh Rich Worth and the folks uh at JNS Paving and of course Jeff West and uh his staff at Indie Performance Composites, IPcindy.com, uh for being such a huge part of this show for the last number of years. Okay, so we're gonna step aside real quick when we come back. We're going to take you to our first interview of the day with Jeff Locke. Then you will hear a break, then right straight to Ryan Locke, and then we'll come back and uh, talk some more. So back with Locked and Loaded as it begins right around the corner.
2: Victory Custom Trailers
1: is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer.
0: They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and
1: they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer that fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at VictorCustomTrailers.com. Welcome back to Inside Groove as we continue with episode number 70. And our special guest for this episode, Jeff Locke, with us now on the hotline. And Jeff, uh, first of all, it is great to have you on Inside Groove. And uh, I want to talk to you first. Uh, we'll start with today, where things are today. There was an announcement made that you were going to be, uh, you and your family, jumping into uh, super modified racing in a big way. Um, your older son, Ryan, going to be running your Isma car your younger son chase going to be in a 350 super and there is a it appears a brand new super in the works for you as well that uh you guys will run at a Swiggo. i think uh, you may drive it some and ryan may drive it some is that kind of the the idea or tell us uh, in detail what you got going for 2021 yeah, sounds like a
2: uh, busy summer. And looking back at it now, but uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we uh, we're really excited. Uh, we've got a lot of upside uh, to what we're gonna do. And uh, Ryan has been doing a good job, uh, proving himself and is, is my car. So I'm going to start out in the Oswego car, and then we're gonna figure out you know from there and try to get that car you know dialed in the best we can. So when Ryan jumps in, he's uh, he can just focus on driving and and uh getting some more experience but uh that's kind of the plan now and obviously uh with chase with the 350 at star speedway uh we'll have a huge learning curve with that too uh coming up from the midgets so uh
1: we got a lot of work to do and uh, we're looking forward to it and having some fun. Well, let's go back to the beginning for you for a minute or two. Um, what mm-hmm. got you started? What got you interested in racing in the first place? And then what got you started? Walk us through uh, your timeline as a driver and an owner. Yeah. So I think it all started with my dad taking us to
2: the races and, um, you know, back when I was, you know, in the teens and, going to Oswego Speedway and, and watching those guys race and, and just wanting to do that one day. And and uh, in high school, I started working for Ed Shea and then 37 and uh, 27 and all those guys. Okay. Back, uh, right after Russ Wood um, had left and um, did that through high school. And it was a great experience, obviously.
1: And so at what point did you get into driving?
2: So when I moved to North Carolina and I've got experience working on them and stuff like that, when I came back after my dad started Law Crane Services, um, I had moved back obviously to to help him um, run the business and and do, you know, running cranes and and stuff like that. So I still had the racing bug, you know, and uh, I decided to, to buy my first 350 Super when I moved back and, That's when I decided.
1: Oh, I'm going to drive myself, and uh, we've had some fun ever since, for sure. Do you remember your? What do you remember about your first race? Where was it? And tell us uh, what you remember about it, and and if you remember the year even.
2: I don't remember the year off the top of my head, but uh, it was at Lee Speedway. We ran weekly. uh, Great 350 super track, and uh, uh, it was definitely. A learning moment from never driving one before, but I think that year we won like three or four races so, oh wow really you know, yeah, so we i mean we did well Um uh, the next year we won a few more, I think we won eight eight races total in the two years before I had a an accident there in the in the third year but uh we had uh we had some fun for sure, and it was uh definitely challenging, you know, working on cars. Most of my childhood and working up from you know in my twenties starting to drive race cars it was uh it was definitely a challenge was
1: the accident the impetus for you to go from driver to owner uh, no not really i
2: I just i enjoy you know racing with my kids now okay and so i I enjoy that a lot more now than I think I ever did driving. Oh, okay. Uh, that makes sense. You know, and uh, just working on them and then seeing this, my kids go out there and race with what we've built together is—it's uh, a sense of accomplishment. You
1: know, it, it feels good. Well, you not only have one son racing, you've got two. Was that kind of yeah. the natural progression? I mean, did did they show interest in racing? immediately from a young age or cuz i know sometimes you know the kids don't necessarily when they're real young want to do that they they kind of get the bug when they get a little older talk about how all that uh, developed first with Ryan and then with Chase yeah so i mean they they grew up at the racetrack you know watching their dad
2: and yeah and uh you know one day wanting to be or be a race car driver and i haven't had you know any conversations with them as far as, you know, whether or not they'd want to do it. We've just kind of did it and they've, we've enjoyed it. And, um, uh, and they keep, you know, asking when the next race is. So we haven't, <laughs> they've, they've, they've showed interest and, uh, we're always out in the garage working and, uh, they're learning a lot and, uh, getting better as drivers too. So, um, that, that's exciting.
1: Well, now you, you're you stepping them both up this year. Uh, Ryan, as far as full-time duty in the ISMA car, and then um, Chase obviously into a 350 Super, is Chase going to run mostly at Star or up that way with that, that 350, or will you be bringing that to Oswego too?
2: Yes, yeah, so we really don't have a plan as far as the 350 goes. Okay. Um, Obviously we want to race Oswego and I think it would be a great experience for Chase to do that. Uh, But we're not going to rush it. You know, we're coming from midgets uh, to a 350 super. The speeds are higher and obviously a lot faster. So we want to just take our time and and make sure we do it at the right time and and make sure he's ready. Uh, That's about it. I mean, we're kind of leaving our schedule open if we decide that, or if he decides uh, that, he'd like to go try it, then, then we'll go try it. Uh, but, uh, we really don't have a plan
1: as of right now. Obviously you had a, uh, uh a period of time where you owned the 37 car at Oswego and Randy Ritzkis drove for you. Talk about how that came together. And I can only imagine that, that, uh, being involved with Randy, not only is he obviously an extremely talented race car driver, but, uh, I've got to imagine that was, Highly entertaining to work with him too.
2: No, he's awesome. But for, first, I should say my dad actually owns that car. Oh, okay. Uh, and owns all that stuff. Okay. But, uh, Ken Locke. He he's been great for me, obviously in my career and supporting his grandkids. So uh, I should mention that. That my dad is pretty much uh, the owner of uh, got of those cars. But uh, no, um, sorry about that. Um, no things. Uh. Randy has been a huge part of of my learning curve and my career when I first worked uh, on Ed Shays back in high school. Randy was one of the drivers then um and and you're right, it is a lot of fun he makes it fun he's a he's a good driver he gets he gets everything out of a race car sure does. And, uh, gives you what you need for information and uh if you need a hand, he's the first one there to ask, to help you and uh, he's just a great guy. Uh, he's a pleasure to be around, and obviously he's done a lot for my dad and, and, and us to get us a couple wins up there in Oswego for,
1: for the non-wing shows, and... uh He's one of the best for sure. You were pretty successful right off the bat, obviously, getting into the Supers. Um, talk about what the experience of racing in that period of time was like, and then, you know, kind of growing up around it, too, through your dad. Um, what are some of the memories that you have, and maybe some drivers that you kind of grew up watching and, and, and idolizing and uh, enjoying seeing race every week?
2: Yeah, so as far as that, I mean, growing up watching, you know, Russ Wood, uh Chris Perley's, sure. And uh and Bentley Warren's a a huge idol of mine. Um just watching those guys and how they handle themselves and uh really, you know, gave me the the want to to do this um for fun. Obviously, we a lot of us don't do it to make money, so <laughs> we uh we we want to make sure we're enjoying what we're doing. But uh, those guys, uh, Bentley Warren and, and Randy, obviously, and,
1: uh, has really made it enjoyable and, and, and fun. Can you think of a particular story about Bentley or Randy? We love stories on this show. Can you think of a particular story that's kind of entertaining and family-friendly that you can tell us right off the bat? Uh, honestly, not off the top of my head. I'm sorry. That's all right. That's all right. This thought I'd put you on the spot there. Almost uh, everybody yeah. that meets Bentley and spends longer than twenty minutes goes away with a Bentley story, in some sort of. Oh, way. Oh yeah. So, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. Um, and again, for the sure. the characters there. I mean, Ed Shea just a great guy, and you know, oh, all the people awesome. that that are have been around you. It seems like some of the the real legends of the sport, and mm-hmm. um, to be able to have been a, a part of that all these years, and now being. Able to carry on the tradition with your kids, uh, that has to be really special for you, and I'm sure for your your dad as well. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Uh, I just
2: I can't put it into words how exciting it is to again see see my kids out there uh, racing and, and and doing well. And uh, Ryan uh, in the Isma car just blows my mind how well he's doing. Uh, Obviously a long way to go still, but I mean, where he's at, at his age is just, uh, he's just taking it in and being, uh, doing the best he can. And obviously Chase at 15, uh, winning midget races and uh, doing what he's doing at his age is just, they both, they both uh, make a dad very proud.
1: Now, um, uh, talk about their driving styles. Are they both very similar types of drivers or, uh, sometimes when you get brothers, you get one that's real aggressive, one, not so much or whatever. Um, talk about their driving styles from your point of view.
2: So Ryan is, uh, definitely, I think, uh, a little bit further along as, as far as, um, uh, saving his equipment and, and not burning up his tires for okay. the end of the race. And, and, uh, stuff like that uh chase he's he's my little uh he's the just go balls to the wall the whole time and <laughs> and uh at the end hope he has enough Uh <laughs> chase is uh chase is something else he's uh he's uh, he's on the wheel every minute and uh he's not saving anything and he, he's just hoping to to come away with a checkered at the end and i, I love that about him and uh he's he's gonna be just fine when he he starts learning and getting into these longer races that uh, you got to take care of your stuff and, and uh, be there and have something for the end.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, they say wisdom comes with experience, and I wholeheartedly agree with that. I've experienced it even in my own life. But I think in, in racing, it's the same, right? I think, you you know, when you're young, it's, it's all about speed and, and, you know, gassing it and getting to the front, staying there. And then as you get older, you realize that the only laps that matter are the laps that pay anything, which usually is the last one, with a few exceptions, where they have lap money. But, uh, exactly you know, I right. think you, you just have to do it a while and kind of uh, – and kind of find your own way and and it sounds like Ryan is um is maturing in that direction quite well for 18 and you know at 15 chases you know again just all about gassing it which is there's nothing in the world wrong with that either Bentley Warren made uh, the first the first chapter of his career was built on that driving style so exactly you know and then in the no, end he learned to be patient uh, it's definitely fun to watch for sure he puts on a good show well it sounds like you're going to have uh Sounds like you're going to have a handful of cars to be working on uh, <laughs> this season. If you're going to try to, yeah. to do all the racing you're trying to do, I know you've got uh, probably a number of people that help you out with, uh, with all of that. So uh, who do you want to give a shout out to talk about the crew and the, and the people behind, and then we'll get to the sponsors as well.
2: Yeah, for sure. I always got to thank my dad. If it, we, we, if it wasn't for him we wouldn't have any of this stuff and uh, him starting Lock crane services and and giving us this this uh this platform to race on it's uh it's pretty awesome what he's done for us and uh the boys um all of us are in the garage um almost every night and uh obviously our our sponsors uh we picked up a Chester General Store here in our hometown, Chester, New Hampshire. Okay, uh, it's been helping us out, and our longtime sponsor, uh, Shaman Equipment. Uh, they've been with us since I started racing. I uh, appreciate their support, and obviously, a lot of crane services. Um, but uh, yeah, the, we've got a, a great group we've surrounded ourselves
1: with, and. Uh, we're excited for the for the year, for sure. Have you set any goals for the season? I mean, what what uh, what are you looking to get to get out of the year? I mean, obviously the first thing is we all hope we can get a full year in this year after last year. But uh, what are you looking to get out of this year? As far as you and and the two boys, have you set any goals or any benchmarks that you want to hit?
2: Honestly, I really haven't. Um, as far as Ryan goes, I I, I really excited for him to go back to a couple of tracks that he's been to before and, and yeah. for a second time and, um, and improve on what he's done already. And as far as chase goes, we just want to go to the track and, and have a good time and, and get some experience and, and hope that, uh, um, you know, we can learn and, and just get better every week um, and not go backwards. You know what I mean? Uh, so we're excited for that, but no, no, like expectations of winning the race every day. And, Every week, and
1: um, we're just going to go out, do the best we can, and make sure we have fun doing it. Well, we look forward to seeing you at the Big O and throughout uh, the ISMA tour and the 350 Circuit as well with your kids, and uh, really appreciate all of the support and you know, the time and the efforts that uh, you and your dad have given to the supermodifieds over the years and excited to see the next generations coming up through the ranks and uh, being a part of what you're doing as well. So appreciate your time on the uh, inside groove here with us today and look forward to hopefully a safe and successful season for you and the kids. Yeah, it'll be great. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. That's Jeff Locke, and we're going to be back with more of The Groove right after this. Welcome back to the groove. Well, you just heard a nice conversation with Jeff Locke. And now on the hotline, we have his oldest son, Ryan Locke. Uh so this is gonna be fun. Ryan is 18. It's good to have you on, man. Uh good to talk with you. And uh you're gonna get a, a a golden opportunity this year. I've gotta believe that uh you gotta be pretty excited, not only to be running full time on the Isma Tour. But also to be potentially be running a little bit at a with the non-winged super. Um, talk a little bit about what your thoughts are first of all going into the season.
3: Uh, this season is going to be awesome. Uh, we're we're expecting a lot. Uh, obviously, we're, things are getting a lot busier. With got uh, like my little brother in a um, 350 uh, weekly at Star. It's going to be my first season, as you said, in the uh, super full full year round, and um, <clears throat> we'll see if my dad lets me actually hop into this uh, non-wing car. I'd love to hop into it because it's such a, well, Oswego is such a legendary place and so many people have driven there before, so I think it'd be cool to add my name to the list of people that have driven there, so. We'll, we'll see if he uh, releases his stranglehold a little bit on the car.
1: <laughs> well, there is that possibility that once you get him in it, you may not get him out of it. That is uh, definitely uh, potentially the way this might go. But uh, let's let's go backwards for a little bit. So, your dad talked about kind of growing up in racing fr- through your granddad. Um, I know that you and Chase kind of were growing into it through your through your dad, but what is your do you remember the very first time you ever went to a racetrack do you remember how old you were and remember what what it was like
3: well uh the first races i ever went to were probably with the nascar tour when my dad was doing uh he was on the picker was a tire changer and he was a car chief for a little bit on uh david green's cars and stuff like that um I'm obviously not going to remember that. I think I was like two, three years old at the time. Right. Okay. And we moved back up, up to New Hampshire. And, uh, so my, my, uh, oldest memories are probably Lee, okay. uh, Leo say speedway with him driving the 350.
1: Okay. And uh,
3: I was, yeah, I was probably like, uh, nine, 10 and he was doing it full time for quite a few years. And, Uh, then he moved up into the the super so i'd say lee is probably the best or the oldest member i could think of
1: so i gather then that you didn't start racing i mean typically obviously you know five six years old you're racing a quarter midget or a bandolero or whatever go-kart you didn't uh, obviously start real young then did you
3: no no i actually we we took a little bit to get into go-karting and stuff like that i think we're I think my I was eleven, twelve. Oh, so wow. I haven't been, yeah, I haven't been in cars for very long. Okay. I think I only did go karting for a year before I hopped into a race car. So.
1: Oh my! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so walk me through the progression here. Let's talk about the go kart first. Did you run? Was it a four cycle or a two cycle?
3: So they were they were called um, Tiger Sprints. I don't quite remember oh. exactly what was in it. Okay. Um, so they, you ran. I know like they ran a... those Briggs and Stratton little things. Yeah. So Um, four
1: cycle, you ran a caged cart then, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, no suspension. I think we ran it at a one Oh six, uh, speedway, uh, Londonderry speedway. I think in, uh, place out in Vermont. I don't remember the name of it. I'm sure I could remember it if I were to ask my father, but
1: how did you do, uh, in the go-kart? Uh, yeah. Um, there wasn't a whole many,
3: lot, many go-karts. So it was a lot of, it was a good learning curve for us definitely to hop into them and, just to learn racing, learn the flags, obviously, or I guess we knew the flags by then, but just learn what racing's about and, you know, working on cars and just kind of getting the feel out for it of if we want to take that next step into something, you know, with with people that might be a little bit more talented than a bunch of kids out on a, a little track. So it was it was definitely a good learning experience to just, just get the feel for it. That, that's all it was, and just make sure that we were making the right steps to get into a car, you know, the, a year or two later.
1: Well, it <laughs> didn't take you long to figure out uh, if you wanted to do it because you said you were only in it about a year and right in the car as you went. What was your first car that you raced then?
3: The first car I raced was the, um, so, didn't have a three phase. So, I guess we had the Super, but I never got into that. We ended up buying a, um, the the Nemo Lite off of Greg uh, oh, okay. Raveall and the, oh, right. the Raveall okay. family. There. That's
1: right. Yeah, you went. I remember you running the Nemo Lite. So you went from the go kart into the Nemo Lite car. Yeah, that's a bit of a change. Talk about what it was like to to go from one to the other, because uh, obviously they're really in terms of how you drive them, they're really nothing alike, and a whole lot more speed with the Nemo Lite.
3: Yeah, yeah. We we um we definitely took our time with it. Uh, We bought the car. I was about 12, and I wasn't even allowed to race it yet, so we we went to Star every weekend and uh, took our time practicing and just made sure I was ready to take that step to actually race with people, and I think we did it the best we could for a 12-year-old kid hopping into a race car like that. I was up to speed by the time we started racing, and uh, I mean, the things are impossible, or not impossible, but they're very difficult to handle. I bet. So uh, it was (laughs) definitely a good thing to take our time with it and big adjustment from going to no suspension to a suspension and you know a little bit easier ride definitely with uh having some shocks and springs on it but uh yeah no definitely it was we it was the one part of the process that we definitely decided to take our time with and make sure we were ready to get to that next step so
1: so how long did you just practice did you have to be like 13 or something to race them or how long did you have to
3: yeah so I, i think we we bought it the um the summer before i was turning 13 so I, my birthday is in december oh okay so um so we yeah right it was christmas kid. so <laughs> um so our we bought it that summer and then we ended up just taking that entire summer and fall practicing and then took the winter off to make sure we wanted to go through the car right um i, I guess we didn't end up completely taking that car home with us over the summer or the winter we ended up getting a new car because uh uh, the throttle ended up sticking one of our final practices in it uh, Then, didn't, didn't end up keeping that car for very long but uh, uh, we we uh, ended up building a whole new car over the winter making sure I was ready obviously I was ready after the whole summer and fall of practicing and uh, season over the next year we ended up racing I was 13 we were all set to go and yeah, it, 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 smooth transition really good
1: that is, uh, that's a cool. I mean, the Nema Lights obviously are just um, a slightly modified version of the Nema Midgets, um, and so I mean, I, I I think we can say that they're at least similar. Um, now, when you were racing the Nema Light, who were some of the guys that were kind of top of the class that you were coming in racing against for wins?
3: So, um. I got my first one a few few races in, actually surprisingly, because wow, of the way their uh, yeah the the way their handicap <laughs> system worked. They once you get a handicap, they kind of put you up front. Oh, and uh, so the people that were at the top then uh, names like Jim Chambers, uh, Randy Cabral, Danny Sugini, um, and we actually ended up being, getting really uh, tight in with Danny and them, and uh, ended up meeting Max. Um, them who does the uh, NASCAR yeah, wheel and uh, our... modified okay. door. and So we're really good buds with them and they ended up helping us quite a bit to get to where we were in that series and I think those those were our main influence in that series. They definitely helped us out a lot and whenever we learned something new, we'd help them out and we kind of bounce off each other with ideas and stuff like that. So it's definitely good to have somebody like that around there. And uh that's that's basically those are the top 3 main guys in that series. Um, Randy Cabral obviously went back and forth between the uh, the big cars and, or the NEMA, NEMA midgets and yeah. the NEMA lights, so it was cool to have that experience come back and he's been doing it for 20 years, he's got like six championships or something like that something crazy and uh, it was good to see that role model come down and you're able to race side by side with them and learn from them and just just really you're racing with the best in that series because um, you, you got those guys bouncing back and forth and no, it's definitely we made the right move getting in that series because they're better, they're just as good as any series out there, and the li- the lights are obviously a little slower with the uh, engine package and yeah. all that. But if you were at smaller tracks, they're they're doing maybe a tenth, two tenths off, so they're going just as fast as these, the big cars. So it's definitely a good way to get into it. So
1: that's crazy! Wow. So um, I would imagine then, because you you did do some midget racing, did you not?
3: No, I actually, I never got the. Ch- I wish I did. Oh, okay. But, I was uh, thinking you did it years. So we we had offers. We had offers too, I believe. But those cars are at the bigger tracks. are just a little too fast for the roll cage they got on them, and it's. Yeah, I don't know. The speeds we're doing with the lights, we're kind of pushing it. So.
1: Okay. So you decided to go right from the NEMA light into the super modified and. Um. Now you was last year the first time that you got into a super?
3: No, two two years two ago. years ago. I was, okay, I was sixteen. Yeah, okay, I was um. So it'd be 18? We drove two thousand
1: eighteen.
3: Six. What's that? Two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Okay. We we drove the um. I think it was the Star Classic and the the Memorial Race at Lee there at the okay. end of the season. Wow. Um. We just, we decided to throw that in during um while we were racing uh, the midgets. So we were racing the midgets also at the Star Classic. So we were able to – I was able to pull off double duty that night. It was, it was a good night.
1: Oh, I bet um, it was. And wow. That? Sorry. I I, I, well, no, I was saying I bet it was a good night. I mean, to have that opportunity at such a young age um, and, and to have your first super race be one of the classic races – uh, yeah. Just out of the frying pan yeah. straight into the fire, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they,
3: we went from we definitely went from uh, taking it easy to you yeah. know getting in the midget to uh, throw me right into it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but we ended up having two pretty good nights. I think we finished top ten in both of them. And uh, I don't think I've actually finished outside the top ten in the super, which is pretty cool. But I'm sure I'm jinxing myself for the first race this season. <laughs> yeah, you should have um, said that. <laughs>
1: well, how much? But, but how much uh, fun was that to be able to do a midget and a super on the same day? There, are, there aren't probably a ton of drivers who have actually had the opportunity to do that um i mean there may be more up your way i suppose because there's some commonality between the two classes but um like at star but i mean that's like a limited number of drivers that have that have done that kind of thing um was it difficult kind of going back and forth saying to yourself okay super modified brain midget brain
3: yeah it's it's weird Uh, I definitely had to figure out um, the steering so much different. It's such uh, the the steering servo inside a midget is so quick. Yeah. And it's such a fast reaction in it. And then you get into the super and it's, it's slower than hell. So it's, it's definitely um, just in the practice, we're back to back. So you had to go back and forth and you just had to kind of get used to it real quick. So,
1: wow. Top 10 in both. Nice job. That's for your first time out. That's great. Um, And, and so that, kind of set you up for 2019 talk about uh, your your 19 season overall.
3: Yeah, we won the uh lights championship that year. Um that was that was exciting. Uh because I think we were one of the youngest champions in that series um Just just getting to work with my dad so closely and my brother. I think that was my first year for my brother as well. Okay. So it was it was definitely it was another year where a lot was going on. It was me and my brother racing out there, and my dad working on it with me. And uh obviously we got our grandfather there, but um, we we ran the same two two races there with the super because uh, they were the closest. They're about twenty minutes down the street, both of them. So sure. Those those are just the easiest ones to run, and. Uh, yeah it it was it was exciting definitely a privilege to say that we uh you know we get to say that we're the the 2019 champions in that series and definitely we got banners out in the garage for it and we'll definitely be able to remember it for the rest of our lives
1: for sure um now uh so now this year obviously you get the nod to go full-time with the isma car and uh the possibility at least uh of getting into the oswego car first of all um what i'm curious how you've been preparing in this off season i mean you've had a whole year i guess to get ready i don't know exactly when you made the decision to do that or how that all came about but uh you know not much racing in 2020 for sure um so uh but how are you preparing for a full uh, isma schedule in the super this year as compared to just a couple of one off starts
3: uh preparation for this year was was a lot had a lot to do with last year it was a funky year last year um uh the midget season didn't go well for us we ended up uh not doing well on the points so we ended up selling the car so those cars are gone now and um, okay we got the two races once again which we did very good in yep. Or three races i guess we ran but we only uh finished two of them uh, because we didn't get to start one of the the Lee race, the uh, Memorial okay. race there. Um, but uh, first race at Thompson uh, in the big car, the Super was went great. Um, obviously, my my standards for racing in general is a lot higher than they should be as a seventeen uh, year old kid. <laughs> so I was a little disappointed in a I think it was seventh place finish there. But um, uh, Star went very well. Uh, if our, if our qualifying went. Even better, it wouldn't have been even better, but uh, we ended up starting, like, 24th or something and finished 8th. Uh, wow, a that's a down, I was,
1: I, <laughs> Wow. And, and you can pass 16 cars at start. You're doing something. I've eaten cereal out of bigger bowls than that track.
3: Yeah. So, um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that if I, my,
3: if I figure out how to qualify, I think we'll be all right. But uh, i gotta, I got to learn a few things still. So uh, that, the qualifying is definitely one of them. But I think if we started out front, we are faster than those top five cars. So I think we would have, you know, been right up there for in the mix of things. Wow. So just just figure that out. I think we'll be all right.
1: That's incredible to, to, to run that well. Um, really, second year in the car and, and in a race like that, I mean, you got the best of the best there. Um, so you... Now going into this year, I mean, is is it a case of getting into shape? Is it a case of you know I need to focus more on figuring out my driving, or you know what what are you kind of working on ahead of the season?
3: Getting in shape was, has been a big big deal this year. um The midgets are quick twenty five lap races, yeah. uh, you know, i and then after the Star Classic, running both of them, uh, I was definitely drenched in sweat and. <laughs> ready to go to bed at, yeah, bed. <laughs> at, at 11 o'clock so 125 lap race is no joke it's it's definitely um it kicked me in the butt and made me realize i got to get back going and in the gym and getting ready for this year because that's what every weekend's going to be like yeah so that, that's been a big deal and, and i finally got the car to myself um this year on the aussie the the super i got it out in the garage so i finally get to work on it myself and you know learn a little bit in the ins and outs of it so I got the car all apart doing my own thing, and it's it's actually been nice to uh, kind of do what I want and learn a little bit of, about the car.
1: Nice. Well, that's awesome. Um, so I'm sure you're looking forward to the season and, of course, uh, your brother running 350s. Now, how much do the two of you work together as far as his racing goes? I, I,
3: I'd i like to he, he he won't admit to it, but I like to call myself a little bit of role model. Um, I try to point <laughs> out as much as I see. Yeah. Uh, because I've been doing it a little bit longer than him, and he's getting thrown into these 350s like I was getting thrown into the Super, you know, he's only did I think he did one and a half years of the the Nemolite and he's getting right thrown into a 350, so
0: wow.
3: we'll, um, uh, I'll try to be there for him, obviously with the experience of um, I've been in a 350 here and there for driving, not in races, but I've practiced them before, so I kind of know a little bit, and obviously the Super experience should hopefully help me out to kind of point them out, but I <laughs> He's got one of the best mentors, you know, in the world when it comes to driving one of those 350s with my dad. So I, I don't think I, I'm pretty sure I can keep my mouth shut and kind of watch and enjoy the weekends where I get to sit down and relax a little bit.
1: Now, your dad said that you were um, more of kind of a uh, managed car and tire management. You've kind of developed that skill of being patient and, and uh and saving the car and getting the car through the race. And when I asked him about Chase, he said Chase is, um, you know, balls to the wall and, and, uh, you know, stands (laughs) on it from the start. And, um, you know, which he said, I love that about him. And and he said eventually he'll which to which I responded, well, yeah, they say wisdom comes with experience and that kind of makes more sense. But how would you uh, how would you assess that assessment of your driving versus his
3: i i think I think early on I was definitely more like him, yeah. but as like you said patience comes with com, comes with time and um I think even compared to my dad, I even have a lot more patience in the car uh with taking my time and picking my right situations and keeping the tires underneath me uh but chase chase is definitely funny to watch because he's this little little ninety pound 13-year-old driving circles around all these old guys that have been driving for 10 years, so it's, it's funny. Um, you definitely get a kick out of it because he gets out of the car and he's a little little scrawny kid. <laughs> so it's He he drives it like he's, like you said, balls to the wall. He drives it like he's got no tomorrow, so it's it's funnier than hell. Um, but I, I like to, you know, in the midgets with 25 laps to go, we were very good, very consistent with getting to the front, with starting. 13th, 14th, 15th, and, you know, I think we had a a streak of eight top threes in a row in 25 laps, so, you know, I was also very good in in certain situations in those cars, picking my situations and time to get to the front, but it's, it's so much nicer having 125 laps to take my time, make sure I keep the car good for all 125 laps, and really just, you know, pick your situations and pick your battles. I think that's definitely the main thing I've learned from these cars, and I've taken it on very well, I feel like.
1: Now, other than your dad, uh, because that would be the obvious answer to the question I'm going to ask. But other than your dad, do you, do you have somebody in supermodifieds that you kind of look up to or pattern yourself after? Try to pattern yourself after, either on or off the track.
3: <laughs> For sure. Um, so I've been going to Oswego since I was. Like I was saying, nine, ten, eight, nine, ten. So okay. definitely, if I were to have to pick anybody, it'd be Otto Sitterly. He's the man. That's a good choice. Um, I had my first race with him at Star, my first year, 16, and I started on the outside of him. And oh wow! Yeah, you know, I'm looking to my left and I'm seeing Otto Sitterly. You know, he's 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 the man of, of all men in these cars, and I decided to. You know, not think about tires and stick it on the outside of them for the first ten laps of the start classes. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I ended up putting the right rear in it in the wall, coming down the front stretch, and I, I was just all excited. To, you know, I'm on, I'm on the outside of this guy, which I sh- I have no business doing.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you know, what other sport besides racing could that happen? I mean, if you're 16 and you're playing high school football you're not going to, you know, line up on the opposite side of the field from Tom Brady, right? I mean, that's just not going to happen. So yeah, racing's you know. the only sport sure. where you, can, you you have that opportunity, and it seems like more and more younger racers are getting that chance. And, and uh, so you kind of get a little starstruck at the beginning.
3: Yeah. Like, like you said, it, it, it comes with an opportunity, though, and obviously got to be appreciative of For everything. For sure. Um, people have been giving me here so uh, i got a great chance and i'm, I'm hoping to you know, capitalize on it can't thank my parents enough for sure because uh i know my mom is definitely uh not not, not the most favored uh not the most favorite person to like the, the idea of getting me into these cars yeah
1: she yeah she would Which, rather you like play golf or something
3: yeah she'd rather like you're saying rather me uh play soccer or something like that but <laughs>
1: <it's>,
3: <laughs> This is definitely where I belong. I feel like so. Yeah, I think we made the right decision.
1: I don't know. I know a few younger soccer players. I think you're safer on the track with a roll cage and belts than you are on the soccer field. <laughs> I've seen some of the injuries that those, yeah, those that kids was, get. <laughs> people don't think. That it's was the like, first thing
3: that came to mind.
1: You know, when you when you think about it, I mean, it's 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 always funny to me because you know somebody'll say, well, you know, my. My son broke his arm the other day. It's like, oh, really? how do he do that? Well, he fell out of a tree, or he was playing football, or he was wrestling. or he was... And, and then, you, you know, you, these racing kids, I mean, you just, you know it can happen, but it's way safer than people think it is. But I definitely, I can see where your mountain's coming from. It's hard for, I'm sure, for her to, you know, um, to, to, to see you guys out there. But I'm sure she's very proud of you, too. What do you like to do when you're off the track, when you're not? you know, working on race cars or going racing?
2: Uh,
3: Hanging out with friends is a big deal. I I kind of, like, got a family, I guess, outside of the family. But um, other than that, uh, soccer was the first thing that came to mind because I played high school soccer for uh, four years. So um, I guess that was a thing. But obviously I haven't had sports in a while because uh, of COVID. But hopefully that will come back around. Other than that – work obviously working on the race cars we have uh simulators
0: oh uh, that our
3: parents ended up getting us so they're computers with uh pedals and and wheels and stuff sweet
1: okay so that gives you a chance to do some sim racing that's always fun um and now are you still in school or have you graduated
3: no I'm, i'm in my senior year right now so i'm finishing up high school
1: oh you haven't got much time left do you have a backup plan if you're obviously uh you know you think about driving supers or whatever do you want to be a career racer or are you thinking about you know i'll stick with the supers and go do something else for a living what is your i know you got the family business I mean, here, but
3: who who wouldn't want to come uh you know be a career racer but sure. uh, you know that comes with sponsors and hopefully opportunities like that open up and i can be somebody like ryan priest to come out of the new england area and sure. knock on one of those cars that'd be awesome but uh, I don't know. I, I'm going... I've uh, actually applied to a few colleges. I've gotten accepted into a few around the New Hampshire area and um, all mechanical engineering degrees. So I think that's my plan is to get an engineering degree. and There you go. Um, either use that with a business minor to help out my parents and the bi- family business or, you know, anything that comes with engineering. I can really go off and do anything if I wanted to. Well,
1: that's true. Yeah. And it's uh, certainly... That is a field of study that uh is not going to be replaced by robots at least for the most part so uh you're in great shape with it. that you know that's it's uh uh I don't think we're going to see anytime soon robots changing tires on a cup car or you know working on um you know fuel mileage or whatever but who knows uh but um look forward to seeing what's ahead for you uh because obviously you've got a great opportunity this year to sort of um come out of the shadow a little bit and uh kind of build your own legacy and i think that uh obviously you're very talented you're well spoken and uh really enjoyed talking with you here on inside groove i know that you've got plenty of people that have been involved in helping you get to where you are so before we uh before we transition out of here to a break i uh, want to give you a minute or two to talk about those people so have at it who who helps you make all this happen man
3: First of all, I'd like to thank you for the interview. This of is course. actually a lot of fun. Um, you're making you're making me like interviews more and more every time I Good. come out to them.
1: It's a necessary skill <laughs> yeah, if you're so. going to move up in this sport.
3: So number one on the list is Tom. <laughs> so <laughs> well, um, thanks. Other than that, uh, my grandparents have obviously my grandfather's the funding the whole racing team right now, and my parents were running the business, and you know that the, the has a big deal with the the or the um, race team as well. Um, uh, yeah, Law Crane Services, uh, Shaman Equipment, those guys have been big. So, uh, you know, Shea Concrete, those those guys are basically what keep this, this, or this uh, racing team going. So the, those are the main guys for me. And um, I got a lot of friends that come out and help me work on the race cars when we don't have a lot of help. So any of my friends, if you guys are listening to this at all at any point. So yeah, that's basically everything.
1: Well, uh, certainly enjoyed having you on. You did a great job uh, with the interview and look forward to seeing what's in store for you in 2021. Stay tuned, folks. I have the feeling we're going to be hearing a lot about this young man in the next year or two. With that, we will step aside and return with more of Inside Groove right after this. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. Welcome back to this week's Inside Groove. And I hope you enjoyed the opportunity to hear from both uh, Jeff and Ryan Locke. Both of them, uh, fun interviews to do and uh, really a nice family. First time I've had the chance to talk to either of them. Um, and I got to tell you, really impressed with Ryan, uh, when you don't do a lot of interviews and you're young, a lot of times you're shy or you're just more reserved or whatever, but, uh, that was really a lot of fun to do. And, uh, I think he's going to be certainly a force to be reckoned with on the Isma tour this year. And hopefully we'll get to see him at Oswego, uh, with the, uh, unwinged car or the Oswego car. a a time or two this year, but it's going to be good to have Jeff back in the car and certainly wish uh, he and Ryan and also Chase in the 350 luck um, and safety and success this year as well. So appreciate the time they took and we will catch up with Chase here to talk about his opportunity in the 350 uh, on one of our upcoming next few shows. Okay, the number 70. It was interesting when I started to think back, and again i I stress and I say it a lot, just as a reminder for those of you who are regular listeners. but if there's a first time listener, there are certain things I try to just reinforce all the time, so everybody knows where I come from um with regard to these things i don't do a lot of statistical research; I have found that um you know as i've gotten older, obviously my my detail memory uh in some cases, is' not what it used to be so i I do keep trying to reread through the older programs just because it keeps all that stuff in front of me. But as far as on specific things, when it comes to something like uh these kind of what's in the number sort of uh segments that we do, I challenge myself to pull it out of my head and to make myself think back so um what's fun about that is that oftentimes one of you, uh, whether it's Robert Metcalf or it's Silliman or somebody, Larry Trinka, somebody will, um, obviously fill in the blanks or fill in the gaps that I left, um, with regard to some of this stuff. But every once in a while, when I'm thinking back about a number, a theme occurs to me and like it did last week with the number 69, um, and the the significance that that number played in Jimmy Champagne's career i i think back to that and um that's an example of that so when i was thinking about the number 70 you know tr- a common thread appeared and that is at least from a super modified standpoint for a large number of years that number appeared to be an all-Canadian number. Um and and here was something even funnier. Um I noted back in I was reading through a program, I think it was 1972 that Gary Morton actually started not sorry, Dave Morton, not Gary, his older brother Dave, started at a in a number sixty-nine and then ended up running as the number seventy um for the time that I saw him. I did not see him in the 69. I started going in seventy three and he had the number seventy and I was trying to remember um I, I can picture the cart. It, it was a black number seventy. I cannot remember and there again. Here I go with the you know the detail memory again. Um, I cannot remember the origin of that car. I was wanting to think that it was maybe Harv Lennox's car, which would have also made it a Canadian car, or at least Harv as a Canadian driver, I think. Um, but I'm not sure that it was. And, of course, one of you will <laughs> fill in in a comment, um, you know, as to uh, to clarify that piece of the issue. But here's what's interesting. So Dave Morton runs as the number 70 and, of course, they've also drove a number of other cars uh, in his time. At Oswego um, ran for Steve Miller for a short time. He drove the Herm Graf C-15 for a classic, I think, when, gosh, how did that go? Jim Muldoon, it was 1980. Jim Muldoon, something happened in the garage. A tire exploded or something, and Jim got hurt. And I believe he called Kemp dates and I do believe I remember seeing Kemp take the car out, but for whatever reason, Kemp didn't keep driving it. I think it was Dave Morton that took over that car. Again, I could be completely out of my mind, but I'm pretty sure that that's how I remember it. Um, and I think I, and I, that my most vivid memory of Dave Morton, and it was a really funny memory, and I'm going to say this might have been 1987 because i think i was on the it was the only year i sat in the back grandstand for the classic and i, I gotta tell you i love the view of the cars being able to see them charge down the back stretch, but i told myself after that, that that would be the one and only time i sat back there for a classic because for me personally i hated being so far away from the start finish line it just didn't it i just didn't like that um but anyways, I believe I remember something happening. He was driving Paul Reitman's 55. Again, here's another Canadian. And uh, ends up, I don't know, either something happened to the car or he just spun it and crashed it, something, in turn three. And he got out and just kicked the left rear tire. I just remember him kicking the left rear tire. Not something you're used to seeing in a racetrack. And it was, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. I'm sure it wasn't funny to him at all, but it was, it was a pretty funny moment to watch. Um, but I remember Dave being in the 70. And then, of course, you go from Dave Morton to Gary, <laughs> Gary Morton, um, taking over the, as, uh, the number 70. Um, and then, um, And this was before this would have been, I think, in between the two, I guess. Um, And again, I'm trying, I'm almost positive that this is how this went. Pete Turford, who was a Canadian gentleman, bought Don Haas last 29 that Jim Muldoon built for him. And it became a white number 70 and the only reason that this sticks out in my mind at all is because I I remember that Don drove it in a Concee one night and, and and again I thought I I was thinking well maybe well then when I was I happened to be looking at it at, at uh and again I don't know this might have also been 1980 actually um, I think it was in fact, or maybe it was 81, but, um, cause I, cause Muldoon built that car and I think he, he built a number of them between like 80 and 81. He built a, a couple, two, three cars at least. Um, but anyways, I think that, uh, so Don's Don got in it for the consie and I have a program that I uh, one of the ones that, that I got from somebody else that had the lineups in it, and I love when I get those programs because <laughs> I, I just love looking at the Heat lineups and all that and seeing the finishes and, and whatever. But um, that, that there was number 70, and Don Ha's name was written next to it. So um, I'm almost positive that that's the way it went. Now, interestingly enough, Don is certainly not Canadian. He's from, I think, Martville. Or Red Creek or somewhere out in in that area of New York, same general vicinity as uh Kempton dates, and uh I think there was somebody else that was from out that way at one point, but anyways um so it, don not canadian but but Pete Turford, I think was or is um and then it, it went to gary morton um and then I think the streak snapped when uh Dave Tritech drove the seventy for a while, and of course that was and it, it, he had, that ended up being part of the whole Jeff Holbrook team, and they used to swap cars all the time, so I don't know if they cause you had Holbrook you had uh think who was it Bobby Magner I think um there were a few guys that were involved in that that uh they kind of you know had a number of drivers or whatever. So I know TriTech drove as the 70. I don't know if anyone else might have gotten in it for a race, but that sort of snapped the streak of uh, Canadians having the 70, but for probably uh, the better part of a decade, and then again um, with, with Dave Morton, and then again when Gary Morton, got into the 70 and ran gosh I don't even know how long before he ended up uh running for the strongs I think and then he was 99 for a bit I believe and I think they had him as 96 at one point um but there was I just thought that was interesting that it became kind of a Canadian theme with that number no idea why and I'm obviously I don't know that it was ever planned really um but I'm pretty sure that um that all is is accurate that um once Dave drove the seventy, kind of, you know, got in it, brought it to the track for the first time and ran it, I think uh he and he and Gary, with maybe the exception of of uh Turford with Haas the one night where Don obviously would be an American, um I think they had a lock on that number for Gosh, the better part of what? I don't know. Was it 20 years? Somewhere in that area. Um, A good bit anyways. So it just, again, fun to think about all of that and see. And I'm sure there were uh, 70s probably in the 60s that I'm not aware of. Um, I'm just not that old. Um, (laughs) And nothing stands out to me in terms of significance as far as drivers with that number back then. So um, feel free, y'all, to fill in any other number 70s that you know. Um, And honestly, I was trying to think about limiteds and and I wanted to believe that way back when in the earliest part of the the limiteds um, youth, you might say, back in the 90s when they first started. I want to say there was somebody that had a 70. But again, I'm not positive of that. But I just it feels to be like because I was trying to think I knew that uh Aaron green the late Aaron green i just now as i'm doing the show i just now thought about that it was Aaron green that ran as the 70 i'm almost positive of that i think he bought one of bob gutemount's cars so again somebody can tell me if i'm wrong but there it took me man i was that's funny i i, I spent a while trying to think about who that was and could not think of it until just now <laughs> so I guess you could say that I uh, I got it when it counted, right? You turned the mic on and uh, saved uh, yourself. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure Aaron Green ran as the 70. Um, so there you go. There's some fun with that number, and you know we we I do that a lot of the times. One, it's a great brain teaser for me, and I think it just gives some conversation, somebody something to talk about. Uh, you know, especially now there's no racing right now. So we're only forty one days away. Thank the good Lord above. Uh and hopefully nothing will happen to curtail it. Uh, because this is going to be a huge season. Um somebody asked me the other day, is Cam still doing your show? Yes, but Cam is out of the country right now. And uh we've tried to do um to do some segments together and um, from a sound standpoint, it, I just haven't quite figured out. I know there's a better way than what I know, but my technology, at least for this moment, uh, and my technological knowledge won't let me make it the way that I feel like it needs to be. Um, but uh, Cam definitely still a part. We talk a lot, and and uh, he's keeping me up to date on things that are going on as best he can and knows. Um, and uh, so you know, there there really isn't anything he hasn't uh, written. Uh, of or posted, I guess is a better way to say that um, that's going on, but that's more than enough because you know you're starting to see uh, the registrations come in and he's getting them out as they do, and just all the excitement for uh, the the SBS and the three fifty class is just fantastic. I love it, absolutely love it all the rookies um, great to see so much new. Uh, energy and, and, uh, new excitement in those divisions. And I think it's going to be, uh, a great season. And, oh, by the way, what season is it at the Oswego Speedway? The 70th anniversary. So there you go. Um, it's going to be the most intense, uh, season ever. I think if it, if we can just get it going and, um, and get the whole season in and hopefully get all the races in more importantly, um, And uh, yeah, I I just I think there's a lot of reason to be excited uh, in all three of the classes that normally run there. And of course, then uh, um, you've got uh, Jody London with his his uh, three shows, huge shows that are going to add some real excitement and energy um, to to the uh, the season as well. And um, just all kinds of stuff. So I'm excited about it. I'm really uh, excited to just get back to some racing after so long. Right. So um want to thank all of you who uh listen to this show every week and again um i know it gets redundant but please share it on your facebook wall please share the show um it's important because we we keep trying to build the audience right that's we want more and more super modified fans um we want more and more people to know about super modified racing and by the way um, I'm probably about two or three weeks from being able to spill the beans on what I've been working on for about the last four or five months here, very diligently. Um, and when this comes out, it is going to take this show and everything else that I do, and it's going to put it, I believe, into a much bigger light. So we're, we're going to try to, to do something that sheds even more light on Super Modified Racing and, uh, of course, all the stuff I'm doing. So i um, really looking forward to being able to reveal that uh, it's, um, it's, it's going to get hot and heavy here for the next uh, few weeks, and, um, and, and uh, it will be appearing sometime uh, in the month of May uh is is the target right now late may probably maybe in time for uh the first Oswego classic weekend um classic 64 if i, I think um <laughs> camel shoot me if i screwed that one up i think it's classic 64 haven't talked about it in a while so um but uh yeah that in time for memorial day that is the goal um and uh it should be a lot of fun so Uh, And hopefully it'll be something that um, that the motorsports community at large will embrace and have a lot of fun with. So we'll uh, we'll update you on what that is and give you more information uh, here um, in the next uh, few weeks. So with that being said, I'm going to wind this show to a close I want to again say a quick thank you to Skip's Fish Fry, to JNS Paving, and to Jeff West and the folks at IPC Indy. And um, again, thank all of you who listen and comment and engage and like because all that's important. Um, and if again, suggestions are always welcome. Love hearing from you guys, feedback, um, you know, whatever, ideas. Uh, and just uh, the, the the Facebook pages are great. Love them and uh, uh, appreciate all of you that take the time to, um, to comment on the show. And um, those of you especially who send me feedback and uh, ideas for future guests and whatever, we've got uh, a list that we're working with here that we're going to try to um, keep digging. And, uh, again, um, I appreciate y'all's patience because I know – that uh you all you all would like a weekly show and we're we're, we're getting there i promise we're gonna get there uh just <laughs> i have got to get some of this uh kind of in a better in a, in a in a more advanced state first uh there's only one of me and this is taking a lot of my time and i'm really excited about what it is um and to share it with you um in due course so Uh, Have a great week, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this show. Thanks again to Jeff and Ryan Locke for uh, being such great guests. And we will be back soon with the next Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. Until then, I'm Tom Baker.
0: So long. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indie creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit racechasermedia.com.